Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. You're listening to the, the best, best of the best of the best, best, of, the best, best, of, the best sir, with MIP. With Masamela Matsuma. Mark Thompson. Get woke. They say in America, we are hopelessly divided. But workers from California to Texas, from Georgia to Massachusetts, North Carolina, Connecticut, Oregon, to New Hampshire, we share this one truth. That in the worst of times, we need someone to lean on. And when a person you love needs you, you ache to be there for them. Your mother facing cancer. Your newborn baby. After my mom's dementia diagnosis. Because I had a stroke. At the miscarriage. After taking my dad off of life support. But millions of us face an impossible choice. Either pay the bills or be there for the ones you love. Cuando mi hijo nació, yo sufrí depresión postparto. Because I couldn't miss work, I didn't go to doctor appointments to treat my lupus. After I gave birth to my son, I had to return to work after three weeks. Because my son was sick and I needed to take care of him, I had to leave my job. I have a customer yelling at me and I'm having to make the biggest decision of my dad's life while I'm at work instead of being there with him. She had been lessening her diabetes medication because of money. It's algo que nadie debe de vivir. But it's not you who failed. Or me. Or, or us. us. The system failed. And we are on the cusp of changing that system. Nearly every country on earth has paid family and medical leave protections. As, as do nine U.S. states and D.C. Because it shouldn't matter where you live or work or, or whom you love. You should be able to give or receive care. For the first time, many of us feel hope. For parents. For newborns. For las mamas. For everyone's well-being. For our future. For the ones you love. I think we should have pennies. Support Paisley Crawl. Folks, that from family values at work, who cannot relate to what you just heard? Um, I was going to say, I'm sure someone knows someone, someone, but I think most of us have found this to be true of ourselves. Uh, and if it has not happened to us yet, sometimes we live in anxiety thinking about it because it is an inevitability of life. We're going to get sick. A loved one's going to get sick. What about paid leave? We're going to talk about that. And again, that was a digital video ad on Twitter by Family Values at Work. And today we're going to be talking about the paid leave for all with the director of the Labor Project for Working Families at Family Values at Work. Let me tell you a little bit about her. She began working at the cross-section of work and family policy and labor in 1992 when she founded 
the 11.99 SEIU Employer Child Care Fund. And for those of you who know, we've talked about 11.99. We know our friend George Gresham. There is somewhat of a dispute about whether or not 11.99 or AFSCME, which one was Dr. King's favorite union. Uh, but she was at 11.99, and she uh, linked the child care needs of hospital workers with that of New York-based health facilities. This collectively bargain trust fund covered 450 health facilities, including child care committees at each. The realities of work and family were made real when during this same time, um, she was married, had two children, and cared for her elderly parents all at once. Subsequently, she moved to D.C. where she consulted with labor unions, nonprofits, and trust funds, eventually launching the National Office of the Labor Project for Working Families, which resulted in her joining the Family Values at Work Board. And of course, as I say, she's now on the staff there in partnership with the Labor Project for Working Family. She lives in D.C. with her partner and her now grown children and enjoys traveling, yoga, reading, and local politics. So she knows, Carol Joyner, our guest, knows of which she speaks. Carol, welcome to Make It Plain. How are you? I am fine. It's so great to see you. It's and what great. an introduction. My whole life story right before me. Yeah. Well, we'd like people to know with whom they're speaking and, and a wonderful story. That Thank you for your uh, for your dedication. I, I tell you what stands out first and foremost from that video. Well, two things. Most other countries around the world, just they just do it, don't they, Carol? I mean, they just do it. Yes, and they've been doing it for probably 40 or 50 years. Most countries around the world have some standard for paid family leave, uh, allowing people to take time off to care for a sick family member, certainly to care for themselves and to welcome a new child. And we stand alone with one other very small island nation, Papua New Guinea, and having absolutely no source of paid leave. We stand alone in the world and certainly amongst the other trade partners that we have, the key trade partners. Why is, is this not such a, a divisive and political issue in other countries? What is it about other countries, their makeup that's not like ours? Well, this is just something you just do for people. I think that in this country we have, and you this may sound familiar to you, we have this identity that we are individualistic, that we have to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, that any failing that we have is a personal failing, any resource we don't have, it's a personal failing, and that we shouldn't be counting on government for anything. Where most countries in the world realize that government is central to the foundation of that nation and has a responsibility to care for its people. The folks that you saw who laid out this case 10 times better than I ever will, the folks that you saw in the video are very powerful example of what we're talking about. All of them are members of a group that Family Values at Work and Paid Leave for All, the other producer in the video, that they have come together in order to bring the workers' voices to this issue. And to say that in this nation, the richest nation of the world, it is an atrocity that we don't have paid family and medical leave. And, and they really exemplify the results, what happens. You know, you have to essentially say goodbye to, in one of the video participants, they had to say goodbye to their father and take them off life support over the phone because they couldn't get time off. In another one, a mother had to choose between her job and caring for her child 
that had a significant illness, just on and on. Another person caring for her husband literally lost over $200,000 over a 10 year period in income because she lost her job because she didn't have paid leave. And we hear these stories, Mark, all of the time. It's just one crisis after the next, and they are not individual failings. They're not personal failings. They are societal problems that we have a real problem in this country realizing that people need care. It seems like care is the privilege of only the 1%, just like everything else is. I know someone today who never took a COVID test and never got vaccinated because she was afraid if she did, she would lose her job. Mm -hmm. Even though there were coworkers who got sick uh, for COVID, they most maybe got a day or two off and they said to come back and wear a mask. And I was like, that's crazy. This is not worth dying, but that's the reality. And, and right now today, can't go get a COVID test. And I'm like, let me let me schedule your COVID test. No, I, I can't because if I take off, I'm gonna lose my job. And so that's crazy. Yeah, and the pandemic laid bare. Uh -huh. This has been a problem for generations, right? My parents had paid leave because they belonged to a union. If you belong to a big corporation and you were high wage earner, you might have paid leave. But the majority of the people in this country didn't. And so the examples that we are hearing about during the pandemic are not new examples. They've just been laid bare and exacerbated by probably the worst health crisis this nation has ever seen. And we still couldn't get it together through the health crisis to address the needs of those who really were most vulnerable, those who were caring for us. I mean, just think about it. During the pandemic, the first major policy that was passed was the Family First Corona Response Act was provided some modicum of paid leave and paid sick days in response to the COVID crisis. It was written to leave out about 106 million people. Many of them were essential workers. Many of them were healthcare workers. Many of them were working in factories because they were then deemed essential in order to provide production for us during the pandemic. Farm workers, essential. People who never should have been ignored in the first place in our society were now essential, but they were carved out of the key paid leave policy that would give them the ability to do exactly what your friend needs, which is have time off to care for themselves. There were many people we heard of who knew that they were exposed, should have been quarantining based upon the CDC's recommendations, but couldn't because they had to choose between, do I go to work? What a horrible choice. Do I go to work and infect my coworkers or, and possibly come bring a, the disease back home and infect my family, or do I put food on the table? That is not a choice that anybody should have to have. No, 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 not at all. More MIP after this message. What up, y'all? It's Torre, and on my podcast, Torre Show, I interview successful black rappers, actors, writers, politicians, all sort of people to talk about what powered their rise, how they built their success, and what their superpower is. Through our conversations, you'll learn about how you can achieve your goals. Listen to Torre Show on Apple Podcasts or anywhere podcasts are streamed. And go further and become a member of our community on Patreon, where you'll get exclusive episodes. So it exists in several states, though, in the District of Columbia, correct? Talk to us about that and how effective that has been. And, and in those states, is it as effective as it should be without a federal mandate? 
That's a really good question. So Family Values at Work began right away working with state partners across the country. Our organization is an organization of state partners, a network of state partners around the country. And many other national partners joined in, many unions, lots of folks, thousands and thousands of organizations have been involved in this. But for the last probably 20 years, seeing if we can finally pass paid leave on a statewide basis. And we've been able to pass it in nine states and DC. And those policies um, are ha have some very key features. We always strive for them to be comprehensive, meaning that they cover as many people as we can get covered, right? Um, that they have a progressive, progressive wage replacement. And then we, the first program that was started was in California. And that wage replacement wasn't great. It was 55% of your wages. That's what you get when you go on paid leave, which is not really enough to live off of, right? If you, particularly if you have a lower wage. However, over the years, the coalition went back and worked with the state legislature and they were able to get it up to a higher and more progressive wage replacement. The states that came after California learned those lessons. And so increasingly, as you see, uh, the most recent program that was passed, which is in Colorado by ballot initiative, you see a much higher wage replacement, like 90 to 100% of your wages if you're a low wage worker. It's progressive, right? So the lower you earn, the higher percentage you get of your wages. It has an inclusive family definition to make sure that you know your family is not simply defined by mother, father, child, but that it includes chosen family and all the people that we really care for in our lives. Um, that it also has job protection. More and more of these programs in the States have job protection, which is a big fight in this country. You know, I have no idea why people think that I would take paid leave and not have a job to return to, but they often want to fight over whether or not they have, there's going to be job protection in these laws. That's a clear equity issue. You know, I'm not going to take paid leave if I'm not going to have my job after my 12 weeks of taking paid leave. I mean, it just is bring, you know, it just doesn't make sense. So the, the, the state programs have gotten progressively better over the years as we've learned more about what people need. And so you asked the question of whether or not folks are actually taking them. And I think it all depends on how equitable the policies are. The number of people taken in California has picked up as they've expanded wage replacement, right? And given more people access to um, paid leave. So I think there's a relationship between the type of program you have. And that's why in these national programs that have been discussed by the president and by the Congress, the details really do matter. The quality of the program, the equity in the program, it all matters. You mentioned the percentage of your pay. Lord have mercy. Can't nobody live off no percentage. Most folks are making enough in their own pay to live off of it. So let, let's go back internationally again. Do other countries do that too? Is it a percentage of their pay or people getting full pay when they are on leave? Yeah, in some countries, in, in many countries, it's a percentage, but it's a higher percentage. Like in some countries, I believe it's two thirds percent. In other countries, they have a progressive wage replacement so that you get a higher percent of your wages. I would love for us to move in the world and certainly in the United States to a place where we recognize that if I don't have 100% of my pay, my landlord's still going to charge me 100% of my rent. And the lights are still going to be 100%, you know, the bill is gonna still going to be 100%. So, I mean, that's just logic. But for one, for some reason, there's a sense that if people don't pay into it, you know, um, if they don't give a piece of their sort of sacrifice for it, then they're not going to be um, 
you know, there's going to be some fraud or there's going to be some problem with it, which we know is not the case. The truth of the matter is that wealthy people don't even have to think about this, right? They don't have to think about it. They need to take the time off. They take the time off. They don't care whether anyone pays it because they have the money. It's a luxury. And the reality of it is, is that these kind of policies are life and death for people and they should have access to them, full access, full pay to care for the ones that they love. And it also requires doing away with that trope, that stereotype that people don't want to work. You know, that's what they use. Don't, just give them a look, that percentage, because, you know, people really looking for an excuse not to work. That's not true. Work, work is a is has to do with people's self-dignity, self -dignity, self-worth. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and frankly, I mean, let's be honest. I think all of us, no matter what we do, appreciate getting out of the house, going to work, especially after the pandemic, because we all sick of sitting at home looking at each other on zoom so <laughs> if there was any question about that people want to get get back into it right. so now where are things in terms of doing something on a federal level where are we in the process right now with congress or with the white house for that matter yeah we've never been in a better place we've never been closer to having federal comprehensive paid leave and that is really exciting we have a lot of work to do though to get it over the finish line right now the president has included paid leave in his american families plan and i know that you've talked about that in previous episodes of this show many folks have talked about it we're not exactly sure what that paid leave program will look like by the time it gets out of the house right the president announces it congress passes it right and right now in congress there is also another policy that Ways and Means has created a discussion draft with, and it's called Building an Economy for Families. It looks a lot like the president's plan, and it's the one that's really getting a lot of movement. They just had a hearing on that this week. And both of those proposals, as well as the third proposal, which both of them came out of, which is the Family Act that was introduced years ago by Rosa DeLauro and Christian Gillibrand, Rosa in the House, Christian Gillibrand in the Senate. So there's those three pro proposals. They're broadly comprehensive. They basically get to 12 weeks, some immediately. In the president's plan, it's gradual, how long it takes a while to get to 12 weeks. The only one that's an actual bill right now is the Family Act. So we're waiting to see if the president's proposal for paid leave is going to become a bill. And we're also waiting for ways and means to establish the bill in the building economy for families. What is exciting about it, and the reason I say it's exciting, is that it's new money, right? It's not borrowing from someplace to pay for paid leave, which is one of some of the Republican ideas. Um, it's new money, which is what the voters have said they wanted. It's also um, has the progressive wage replacement. They have inclusive family definition to make sure that, you know, you don't have to choose which type of family you have, but all families are included. The concern about all of these bills is that, as I said before, none of them establish job protection up front. And that's a problem because in this nation, we have, we've run up against some corporate interests and lobbyists when it comes to job protection. There's this fight about who should control who has kids to keep their job. Should it be the employer or should it be this national program? And that's a real tension. Our fight right now is to make sure that we can get job protection. And now I think that you've also talked about this in the past. Whatever passes in the House will go to the Senate, right? And in order to get it passed through the Senate, it's probably going to have to go through reconciliation. 
Yeah. Problem with what, what many people have said is that it's a problem with passing job protection through reconciliation. However, that's now being challenged and there might be a possible way to get it passed. That's what we're hoping for. We believe that you don't have a paid leave program unless you have job protection because no one's going to take it. Most people are not unless they're just forced to, but you really need to have job protection. And we think it's a term and condition of having a paid leave program. And that's what we're hoping senators will think about when they pass this. So to be clear, people wouldn't want to take paid leave, obviously, unless they were assured that their jobs would be protected and they could come back to those jobs, correct? Sure. Yeah. I mean, if it's just 12 weeks, I don't know, unless you have absolutely no other choice. And many people don't. Many people take paid leave now, not knowing what happens afterwards. Yeah. Many don't go back to work at all because yeah. paid leave, they had to be there for that parent. They had to be there to take care of that baby. They had to be there to recover from hip surgery, whatever it is. So that's a real vulnerability for our entire society. We saw that under COVID. However, if you're talking about the person who has a decision to make, can I take this paid leave or not? and risk losing your job after 12 weeks, how many people are gonna do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's, that's very, very important. More MIP after this message. Where is, well, I mean, I'm sure I know organized labor obviously supports this, but we have seen, you know, especially most recently since the Reagan years, just an assault on organized labor and the principle of, of having a union. What this type of legislation would do though, wouldn't it, Carol, whether a place of employment is unionized or not, it would still protect people, correct? Sure. Yeah. Yep. And that's important because we know some places still fight the right for people to organize. But even if they fight that, the all of the workers there are protected. They'll get the paid leave and they'll be protected. So sure. so the Biden bill, how how do we have any idea how soon uh, or what the timetable really is for either the Biden piece of legislation or the Ways and Means piece of legislation? What kind of timetable are we on? It's uh, imminent. It's you know soon. Okay. Um, what we are hearing is that Nancy Pelosi has said publicly that she wants to pass the American Jobs American Family Plan one or them to combined. I'm not sure which out of the House before the 4th of July. So we're talking like weeks away. That seems ambitious to me, given where we are, but that's what her plan is. And then shortly thereafter, the Senate will take it up. And, you know, either somewhere, then there's August recess in the way, right? And so you, you'll be able to, they'll be able to work through it um, in through July. And then I don't know what happens during August recess, whether or not folks continue to work or whether or not it gets passed in the fall. But the goal is to get that passed this year. What we're still unclear about is what that looks like coming out of the House, because that's where it gets all initiated, right? The president introduced a first a jobs plan and then a family plan. Whether or not those together come out of the House and get introduced out of the House, or whether it's one and then another one, we're really not sure about that. And we're trying to figure that out. I, and my guess is folks are just weighing the politics. But I think we need to acknowledge, Mark, that never before have we seen this level of policy for working people, probably since the New Deal, right? And it doesn't have sort of the 
racial disparities that the New Deal had either. <laughs> you know, these policies really do address the needs of all people, whether you're talking about the American Jobs Plan, which we hope is going to create millions and millions of jobs and not just jobs for, you know, white working class folks, but jobs in building the infrastructure and rebuilding this country for all people, you know? Like I know my relatives would love some of those types of $40 in our jobs. But we also know that there's the care infrastructure that's part of it that's significant, right? That's paid leave, that's childcare, both the bricks and mortar of building more childcare centers, but also the services and making sure the childcare workers get a living wage and a path toward a professional career, right? And then there's also home care related to that, home and community services. Because the truth of the matter is that we have care that spans multiple periods of our lives. And the fact that the president is trying to address that in this bill, I think is probably one of the most interesting moments of our time. No, it is. And I think we were all very optimistic, obviously, about Joe Biden. But many of us are even uh, surprised because, I mean, we, we've known he's been a, a friend mm -hmm. of workers and a friend of labor. But, you know, sometimes presidents get in office and they're defeated before they even start. And they just say, well, I can only push so much. Um, I think we're all grateful that Joe Biden is saying, you know, I want to do this and try to do some things Roosevelt didn't do. We hope that he'll stick to it. And you mentioned all those other fields of work you described. I mean, that's where you find, too, how this brings about the greatest disparities when it comes to paid leave and everything else, because many of those areas you just laid out, those are workers of color and or women. Right. And, and so those are the ones. And then let's let's be honest, y'all. Let's just be honest. I, this, I'm not saying this is the way it ought to be. And this is coming from someone, a man who cared for the elders in my family as an only child and practically an only grandchild. I didn't have a sister. So I had to care for my mother and my grandmother, so to speak. I get uh, why you're so passionate about this. It yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had to do that. And I had to fly, you know, as my audience knows, I had to fly back and forth yeah. to Nashville. My mother's sister, for example, I mean, and that's who I'm talking about in terms of somebody. She did not have a job that even enabled her to do as much as she could have done. So I did a lot of things. Mm -hmm. But let's be clear. In most families, it is often the women and those who have to go to work every day and then the women who have to care for the elders. I mean, that's just kind of the way our cultures and our families are structured. I'm not saying this way it ought to be, but that's just how it, it works out. So if you've got women having to take care of the, the, the child care, the elder care and working jobs uh, where they also were doing. You got to care for somebody else's children while you worry about taking care of your own children, take care of somebody else's elders while you worry about taking care of your own elders. You're not been getting paid enough. Then your children need care. Your elders need care. You're not getting paid leave for all. What, what are you doing? It's it, you're in hamster wheel. Yeah. Well, so our caregiving infrastructure is a remnant of slavery. And it essentially says that, you know, to the extent that we have one, it essentially says that if you're providing care for someone else, you should be doing that out of, you know, you should be doing that for free. You know, if you're caring for a family member, that should be out of love, even though you're losing pay, you're losing your social security credits, you're affecting all kinds of ways in which your lifeblood and your, your funds are, you know, shrink over the years, right? You should be just doing this out of your goodness of your heart, as opposed to these, this is what keeps our economy running. Care is what makes all of the other work possible. Think about it. 
People need to go to work. They get a babysitter. They get a childcare provider. They go to a childcare center. If without those, they can't go to work. People need to have, you know, someone to care for their elderly parents so that they can go to work. Say, so find a home care provider or a neighbor that they can pay and watch them. Care without care, we really do not have the economy that we've benefited from. But that care is on the backs, as you said, of women, and it's often free or significantly underpaid. And so this this type of undervalued work is a part of the society that you talked about at the beginning of this broadcast, where you were saying how in this country, we have this like warped sense of care, of work. This is part of it. How we value women and how we value the care that women provide needs to change. And it especially falls on the backs of women of color more often than not. And, you know, always women of color have provided the majority of the care out of the home care in this country. And the impact that we see it every day in stress and burnout because you're trying to do too much. Um, but we also see it in real health crises that people have, in the maternal health disparities that we see, right? We see the problems that women are afflicted with because they are burdened by having to care and the care being undervalued. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, you talked about your family. My, I'm one of five, not an only child, one of five. However, when my mother got sick, and I had two children I was caring for. I was the only one in my family who could reliably use paid leave. I had it because I belonged to a union. You know, I had it when I came to DC, my employer provided it. And so I was that person who cared for my parents. My brothers and sisters could pitch in sometimes, but they were always vulnerable at work if they took any time that wasn't you know, a, a sick day here or there. And if they had that, they kind of had to preserve it for themselves, right? And so you know, we live in this, this society where, that's why we talk so much about equity and that the program that eventually passes in this country has got to be equitable. If it's not equitable, black and brown people are going to be the ones who are left behind, just like we were in the New Deal. If you if you create a scenario where we don't have access because of the pay, it's only two thirds or it's like 55, 65, 75 percent. If we don't have access because of that, if we don't have access because of how you've defined family too narrowly, right? If we don't have access because we don't have job protection and we'll lose our jobs, all of those are equity issues that impact people of color. And so, you know, I just really want to, if anyone's listening to this broadcast, and I'm sure millions are, I, I've actually um, viewed it over the time myself, it's really important for people to reach out to their members of Congress and tell them that we really need paid leave right now. We cannot come out of this pandemic without comprehensive paid family and medical leave that addresses the equity issues that people are going to have to confront like a decent wage replacement, a progressive wage replacement, job protection, and including every you know chosen family, the family that you define, not the government. You have listened to the show because you didn't wait on me to ask you to give us an assignment. So you definitely are a listener. I always say, what's the assignment? What do you want us to do? So you heard it, folks. And nobody under the sound of our voices can deny it affects you. You cannot say because you we all know that none of us have the paid leave we deserve. And if you do, I, I'm sure the other uh, workers in your household do not. 
other family members do not. We must have paid leave for all. That's the hashtag. Uh, we also want to invite you to go to familyvaluesatwork.org slash labor project. Familyvaluesatwork.org slash labor project to find out more and get involved. Also follow them on uh, Twitter at uh, Family Values at Work, the at symbol. Uh, separated by spaces, family values at work. You'll find them; they'll be easy to find. And I'm sure you can relate to a lot of a lot of these stories that were shared in the the audio and video we showed you earlier. And there's even an article that they posted from Newsweek about the importance of unions and how, again, folks, this is not just some accidental oversight. And by the way, I the guest said slavery before I did. Okay, she called it what it was and what it is. You know, th this is intentional. When when people attack organized labor and workers' rights is because they want to. They do not want us to have any power to do anything, to protect ourselves. They want to keep those at the top. How CEO pay has gone up and the rest of our pay has gone down. That's what they want. It's not just some, just a relic. Oh, that's just how things have been. And that's just, we just haven't, no, no, no. They're keeping it there because they do not want to pay. They do not want to pay. They want to keep all of it in their pockets. And we must fight this. So family uh, values at work dot org slash labor project family values at work on Twitter. Carol, let's not make this the last time we speak. Let's watch this legislation closely. Yes. All upon this show and this audience at any time to help educate and organize and mobilize everyone. OK, we thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Have a great weekend. All right. You do the same. Thank you. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, and wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been Made Plain. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, Bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.